Hey everybody, welcome to episode 5 of the To Be Fit podcast. Today's episode is a little bit different. Um, the previous episodes I've had MNU students that I'm currently on a course with. It's check-in week, so I thought we'll throw a curveball and have a previous MNU student who's already completed the course. Uh, today I am joined with Shannon Beer. Um, how are you today, Shannon? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Shannon is my second Australian call um, and the second person who isn't actually from Australia. So I'm kind of a bit disappointed I haven't spoke to an Australian yet, but you'll you'll have to make do, Shannon. Um, so if you wouldn't mind just kind of introducing you, you could put on an accent. That's how you... That's how it could. No, you can hear it. It's awful. I won't even try. I just can't. <laughs> um, so Shannon um, runs a company with her mom, um, Rachel, I believe. Um, Mrs. Beer, we'll call her. Um, called Forget Forever Fit. Um, and you're currently residing in Australia. Whereabouts Sydney, is it? Sydney for now. Um, I'm about to do a little round-the-world trip, and then I'll come back to Sydney, but I'm going to move to Melbourne to finish off my visa in Melbourne, yeah. Oh, brilliant. I mean, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the travel. Uh, do you want to kind of introduce yourself a little bit more? How old are you? How old are you, you know, and what's kind of your background as far as exercise and nutrition and all that? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm from Colchester in Essex originally. Um, like I said, currently in Australia. Um, so my background, I did a law degree and then realized I didn't want to go into law. And then I studied with um, Mac Nutrition. So I've just completed that actually. I just finished my exams about a month ago now, maybe. And um, so just waiting on my results for that. And in the meantime, yeah, like you said, I started up uh, Forever Fit with my mum. And she's a personal trainer, has been for almost 20 years now. So I guess that was how I got into fitness and working out and all that kind of stuff myself because I saw what my mum was doing for, oh, you know, I'd quite like to work out and look half decent and feel good. Um, and I guess I probably started working out when I was about 16 maybe. And I think I started to take it more seriously when I went to uni. I think my first year of uni was when I had like a consistent schedule with the gym and I just kept it up ever since and got more interested in the nutrition side of things so you know firstly let's talk about your mother um yeah i've looked on the website and your mother is jacked yep she's pretty buff so does she, is she a competitor is she competed no um she does get asked that but no she just trains for fun just because she enjoys it that's literally it that's that's yeah. and that's what it should be about i find people even myself in the past who compete just get go crazy. Um, yeah. so, so is she being kind of like an um, inspiration for you? Yeah, I think it's just like that was she like created an awareness around training. So I guess there could be some kind of misconce uh, misconceptions about, you know, females lifting weights. Um, so I never really had to deal with any of that because I just saw my mum did it saw that she looked great and thought, right, you know, it's something that I want to try for myself. And also I feel like having her there, I was put on decent training plans from day one, you know, so I haven't had to go through that stage of learning how to train because I had someone there telling me what to do and 
um, giving me good advice. So I guess now for me, that's what I would like to do for other people who are maybe just starting from square one, being a person that they can come to. Um, with my mum who does like the training side of things and I do like the nutrition side of things just so people don't have to struggle because there's a lot of crappy information out there it's difficult to know where to start and it's difficult to know right from wrong if you have you know no better idea so I guess that's what we're trying to achieve so is you and your mum traveling together or is she still based in England no, she's still in England. She wishes, but yeah, she's back at home. <laughs> yeah. So how does this kind of work from a um, business perspective, you know, being, is, have you managed to figure it out? Yeah, we do most of our work online um, and it works quite well, actually, as long as I'm aware of the time difference wherever I am, because it's been changing a little bit. Um, it still works reasonably well. We just um, message quite easy to stay in contact we've got evenings and mornings um it's easy to contact clients as well and i can do online calls with people and i think having um just being on top of check-ins having some accountability there that rather than doing it in person um it works just as well and does your mom do a lot more of the programming side of stuff from an exercise perspective and you're more uh, on the nutrition side yeah, so it depends what the client's after because some of them purely um, they, they have their own training programs already. Like um, a lot of my clients do CrossFit, so they just do their own training. Um, but I know most of their coaches, so we can contact through there and I just make sure that the nutrition side complements whatever training they do. But if someone comes to us starting from square one and just wants the whole deal, then my mum will program the workout side of things and I'll help with the nutrition, which will be more of an like an ongoing process. Um and we talk like fairly regularly with our clients. And yes, yeah, pretty easy just to make sure it all goes together well. So how long have you been uh, doing this? Um so mum's had her own business for like I said about twenty years. I got kind of involved um about I suppose halfway three quarters of the way through um the Mac Nutrition course although we did start a Facebook group um just where we would post free content you know educational stuff meal ideas busting common myths answering questions all that kind of stuff and I started that about a year ago um and we just post on that daily had different themes for each day, like Mindset Monday, where we try and motivate people, um, Training Tuesday, which would be like a little workout video or just a workout that people can try, um, Wisdom Wednesdays, like I said, Myth Busting, Foodie Thursdays would be recipes, and we just had that going for about a while, but it wasn't really a business, it was just something that we would do to offer um, help to people, and I guess that generated more of an interest people can see that you know your stuff and that you actually care about helping people um and then it get i guess it took off from there so yeah as i said she's been doing her bit and i kind of got involved um before i went traveling and took it online plus she's not very good at the whole social media side of things so <laughs> she likes me to help out she doesn't even know how to make a facebook post so you- mum there my page she's like I have like no you've liked it she just has no idea what she's doing (laughs) Uh, it's a different generation though isn't it yeah I think she just needs a bit of help um putting herself out there yeah it's not something she's used to doing Uh, 
stuff. Yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of people out there that are really, really clever and intelligent, and the one things that just hold them back is a little bit confidence. Yeah, yeah, and just not knowing how to, um, I guess, like ask for attention almost by putting yourself out there. Yeah, and I think personally, if I can add value to one person's life, then I've kind of done a good job. That's the way I think about it anyway when I'm posting. You know, not is this going to go viral and am I going to get over 100 likes or whatever. It's like, if one person likes it, great. Totally, totally, I agree with that. Because, as I say, you'd post on there, there'd be loads of people in the group and then, you know, you think, well, I've only got a few likes and a few comments, but you know that there are people out there who just lurk, like they're reading what you're writing and they're benefiting from it. They just never think to say anything. And then every now and then you'll get the odd message from someone that I didn't even realise would read the post saying that they're really helpful. So you think, oh, well, you know, that's worth it then, isn't it? Just for one person to turn around and say, you know what, that really helped. Well, I got some, yeah, last week I got some business, a random walk-in just to the gym was like, my friend showed us your post. And I thought I'd come and meet you. And I was like, bloody hell. You know, so that just shows the power of it, you know. And by you doing it, it's at least getting something done. And you don't know who is reading it. Like you said, lurkers. Yeah, I just do it because I just want to help. And I think, you know, the off chance that, like you say, I've had people say, look, I've really struggled with um, kind of disordered eating and your flexible approach um, has really helped me to be a bit more relaxed with what I'm eating. I think things like that, I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know, that's an achievement, isn't it? That's worth it just for that. And I think, you know, working in the fitness industry, our perceptions are slightly warped because what we consider normal is totally foreign to the general pop. Yeah, so you might think you're, you know, saying something that's pretty straightforward or, oh, people know this, and then really they don't because, as you say, we're, we're exposed to it all day-to-day and most people aren't well that's it i mean think about who we follow who we interact with every day the podcasts we listen to the discussions we have for example right now you know we are trying to cultivate exactly what we want our clientele to hear and who they want to follow we want them to follow and things like that as well yeah yeah so um right let's get back on course you mentioned um studying law um and i think this will be an interesting topic to go over you were at university obviously got a law degree and now you're working in fitness what happened there um so i guess when it came to that age where you got to decide what you're gonna do after college i thought I'll probably go to uni because I've just got nothing else to do, really. There wasn't really... Colchester's not got a lot going on. Um, I didn't want to get a job. There was nothing particularly calling me. Um, and I thought, right, I would like I like the idea of going to uni. And I was kind of tossing up between law and psychology. I kind of wish I went for psycho. Well, I wish I went for something nutrition-related. But aside from that, I probably would have benefited a bit more from psychology. Um, but yeah, I just thought, well, law, you know, if I do want to do it, it's got good career prospects. And I think when you're stuck trying to decide what to do, the worst thing you can do is just not to do anything, right? Like you've just got to take one step in a direction. And if you don't like it, at least you now know. And yeah, I guess 
during my second year I sort of thought yeah don't really want to be a lawyer <laughs> but I, again I like studying I got I went to King's College so I got to live in London for three, three years you know met nice people um, and it was all right but I just don't want to be a lawyer so I'd never felt pressure to become a lawyer and um, although a lot of advice given by the uni is to push you in that direction which makes sense because most people doing a law degree do see themselves you know using it at some point but yeah I just thought well it's not what I want to do so at least I know now otherwise what else would I have done really and I guess um figuring out what I was interested in that was when as I say I started taking training um and nutrition more seriously so I guess that was bound to happen at some point. And the more time I spent on what I was actually interested in, um, yeah, it led to, as I say, doing MNU and starting to make a bit of a career out of it. I mean, we spoke briefly before we started recording, but do you think that's something that holds a lot of people back is just kind of maybe changing path? Yeah, I think that people either feel pressure to follow a path because they might have invested some time and some money into it but the way I see it was uh, all right I've already spent a lot of money doing this degree and I've already spent three years of my life doing it I know that it's not what I want to do so why would I spend more time more money pursuing it I may as well cut my losses here and follow what it is that I am interested in I also think a lot of people don't really know what they want to do. Um, personally, when I speak to my friends about like what their plans were after uni, they'd say, oh, I'm not really sure what I want to do, but I'm going to go into this. And then I think what really helped me to decide and to have the confidence to sort of switch paths, um, it was a question. It was, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? So if someone said to you, right, this is, you know, you can have your dream career, what would it be? I've asked my friends that and they turn around and come out with this totally random answer, like something I never knew they were interested in. And I think, so you do know what it is that you'd like to do. You just don't think it's going to happen for whatever reason. Maybe you don't think you're good enough or you just don't have the confidence to go for it. But by thinking like that, you're guaranteed that it's never going to happen. I just think, what's the worst you can get from giving it a go and trying, you know? I spoke about this um, just on a recent story on Instagram, and I, I don't know, I think it's just kind of maybe cultivated as we get older, you know, um, like I look at I look at my child and he's just figuring shit out, he's walking into stuff and like he's just got all the time in the world, but as people are more exposed and they get older, and probably listeners are thinking, especially if they are older and they have kids, um, Maybe going, well, you're 20 when you've decided this. You don't have X, Y, and Z. But at the same time, I think it's just a little bit of a negative way of looking at it. What do you think about that? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think people have this idea in their heads, like, okay, age 25, I have to be, you know, this far into my career. I need to be owning a house, married, having kids at 30, like, people just think that that's the way to do things. And if you haven't done all of that, if you haven't ticked those boxes, then you're a failure. But to be honest, I just think you should just do, you know, take your time. I think especially, well, for me at my age, 
22, I can, you know, what's one or two years of that you might want to spend sort of figuring out what it is that you want to do. And then you've got a focus and the rest of your life to work towards it. And it probably won't even take that long. I just think people need the confidence to try. Um, and even if you are sort of further down the line and you've suddenly realised that it's not what you want to do, again, what's the harm in switching? If you're always following what it is that you're interested in, what it is that you have um, passion for, then I just don't think you can go too far wrong. So I think it comes down to, again, what you place values on and what your sort of definition of success is. Like, do you think success is owning a house at a certain age or having X amount of money in the bank? Or do you think success is just being happy, working in a job or a career that you care about? And yeah, that's that's, that's my version of success, I suppose. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a switch. You know, generally the less responsibilities you have, the more easier it is to switch. Whereas obviously more of a transition and setting in the the groundwork for the long term and I think people do have this mindset that it needs to be a switch it's like that whether it's in their career or nutrition or training that all of a sudden they just need to take on this huge um, load of responsibility and a complete different role um, which inevitably does lead people to to fail and probably that's the fear mm. The thing yeah. about all the shit they've got to do. Yeah, that's why I think, um, as you say, with anything, whether it's career, training or nutrition, it is like small steps at a time. So, again, with Mac Nutrition, you're recommended to spend four to six hours a week on it. Yeah. And then I did that, you know, week by week. And over the course of a year, I'm now, you know, that this is what's happened. It's a complete change in direction. But from day one you don't know what's going to happen it's just like you say small steps yeah and this is kind of obviously the idea with the podcast as well to let people understand they are not alone you know and there will be people listening who maybe don't reach out um, but again that's why the podcast is in existence that's why the posts are in existence to hopefully help those and give them a little bit more confidence um yeah so What's the kind of the long-term plan with the business? Is it just to continue doing what you're doing and grow? Yeah, I think for now, um, for my like immediate future, is just to keep growing, as you say, like gaining experience with clients, learning um, the best ways to work with people, making the whole process more efficient from like the business side of things. Um, I'm also interested in public speaking, but I know that I want to spend more time um, initially just again building like a solid foundation of knowledge um, and experience before these things can happen further down the line although I am about to as I said take a little trip around the world and I'm going back home for a little bit for my graduation actually for my ONU graduation um, and a couple of conferences and I'll be hosting a workshop at the gym I used to work at um, when I go home so just to talk about it's with one of the coaches there we're doing a training and nutrition workshop that's something that I'd like to do more of in the future as well I might have one lined up in Singapore too on my way back to Australia so that could be exciting but 
it is quite hard knowing what direction to take things in because the thing with nutrition is that everyone has to eat, right? And there's probably not a single person in the world who wouldn't benefit from having their nutrition on point. Not to say that everyone needs help. Some people probably have a good idea of what they're doing. Um, but you can help anyone, you know, whether it's like pregnant mums wanting the best, you know, nutrition for their baby or a mother with kids wanting to learn how to get their kids into eating better. Athletes, you know, got different kinds of athletes or weight loss clients. There's just so many people that you can help. They can be quite overwhelming. And I think I'm in the very early stages of figuring out exactly what I want to do. But I think what I'm doing at the moment, I find so rewarding working personally, like one-to-one with people. Although, again, I think I'd like to do some group, like work with groups as well, just to reach more people. Because it's quite hard, isn't it? Um, I want to help as many people as possible. But then to give a good service, you have to dedicate a certain amount of time to each person as well. So it's just like trying to balance everything and figure out the best way to you know help people out yeah and, and to be fair it's quite nice talking to somebody who has the same sort of feeling out of their job and you know your question earlier if you were to do one thing for the rest of the life and there was no failure I, this i'm doing it you know and that's yeah. success to me like doing what you love and there's ups and downs but that's life um but yeah yeah that's absolutely uh brilliant i mean as far as traveling's concerned, is this just something like a bit of a bug that you had? You want to see the world? Yeah, I think I just took advantage of the fact that MNU was an online course. So I've, you know, watched lectures and in beach clubs in Bali or a night bus in Vietnam, you know, like as a kid. And then I sort of saw how you can work just as well online as well. So I can travel. Um, it gives me free time to, as I say, keep building my knowledge. Like I had time to do all the further reading, um, you know, because that's just what I enjoy doing, listening to all the podcasts. There's so much content out there um, that is useful and it's hard to find the time to, you know, get through it all. So I thought, well, traveling gives me the perfect opportunity and I can work at the same time. And yeah, I started in Vietnam, went to Thailand, then Bali, then Melbourne, then now in Sydney, and I'm about to go to LA. And <laughs> yeah, just who knows? <laughs> Did I see that you were going to um, Brett's Glute Lab as well? I hope to. Yeah, I, I think when I'm in LA, I might take a little detour, go to San Diego, and um, see if I can hit up Brett's Glute Lab. Because um, when I was in Melbourne, I went to the ultimate evidence-based convention and he was there one of the speakers um and he did like a practical workshop for day three all about you know glutes of course so that was pretty cool i think it'd be fun to check out his glute lab for sure yeah what a what a marketing tool he is the glute guy i mean who who doesn't want a great bum males and females exactly nailed it yeah (laughs) um so what kind of led to you, led you to MNU? So, what what was your nutritional knowledge like beforehand, um, before MNU, and how's it kind of changed it as well? So beforehand, I'd say 
Um, I would listen to all of, like the evidence-based um, podcasts, and fo- I was, you know, following that kind of crowd, um, and just like absorbing the information that they gave out on like various social media forms. And I thought, well, actually, I could genuinely see myself making a career out of this. I can see how I'd like to help people um, with like the knowledge I've gained over the years from like training and eating well myself, from what my mum uh, has taught me. Um, and I heard about the course. So I started looking into it first. I was like, hmm, what can I do? I've you know, wasted <laughs> three years doing a degree that I'm not really interested in. I don't particularly want to go back to uni just because of the time frame, you know, it's a long time again to commit and a lot of money as well. Yeah. Degree, you know, you don't get as much funding for that one and I would need funding. So yeah. um, I started looking into what courses I could do. And um, it's sort of a toss up between precision nutrition and MNU. And I've been listening to Danny Lennon's podcast for years now. And he started recommending MNU on his podcast. I think that was how I came across it first. I thought, oh, well, Danny, you know, has recommended it. Probably can trust that it. it's pretty good. Um, so I checked it out. And I spoke to a girl um, that I just met via Instagram who had done both courses. She'd done Precision Nutrition and MNU because there's a huge price difference between the two. Yeah. And, you know, I was only 21 at the time. Don't just come out of uni, living in London, didn't have loads of money. Um, so I thought, right, I just want to check that it's definitely worth it. Um, and she sort of convinced me that, you know, you get way more out of MNU with the mentoring lab. There's a lot more support. Um, it's a much more practical um, nutrition course. Obviously, you get the knowledge that you need to know, but you also get taught how to apply it to certain people in real life and how it's all going to come together and help with the business side of things as well. So I just thought, right, there's no point in me wondering about the money side of things because I've decided that this is the path I want to take. So it doesn't matter how much it's going to cost. It just matters whether it's going to be a good direction to take and you know all the signs are sort of going go for it and I just thought well I've got nothing to lose and gave it a go and yeah probably best choice I made yeah wait well, it's probably come up on every podcast but I've been one of those that has done pre- precision nutrition as well you oh, know yeah. yeah so like obviously I'm here and that kind of speaks volumes about the pe- exactly you know like, um, another course and and <sighs> It's a feedback. It was just underwhelming, you know. Like, yeah, it's a kind of. It, it's like I don't know if you ever see on Groupon, you know, personal like a nutrition course, and it's like seventy five percent off. So instead of like two hundred quid, it's like twenty five quid, and it's like, oh god, you know, now you're a nutritionist. Whereas, yeah, you know, th- this this course, this MNU course, you it gives you value, you know, and it's well worth the money. Exactly. I just thought, right, if I'm going to be the best, you know, nutritionist that I want to be, then I need to do the best course out there. And I just saw a lot more value with MNU. So did anything change from your, like, kind of previous, like, personal nutrition, your views towards nutrition and health throughout the course? Yeah, I think one of the important things um, that it taught me is that 
we all come to this with our own biases like we've got our own way of doing things our own way of eating um and it could be very easy to just want to recommend that to other people and i think it was right in week one i think where they challenge you to um like acknowledge what biases you might have so for me personally i'm quite fond of um tracking macros or recommending that as a place for people to start and then I thought of well actually you know that's not the only way or um, there's other ways to do things it's just thinking about like just paying attention to who you're working with I think um, there's a lot of you know focus on how you're interacting with people the op- the optimal diet not needing to be optimal but needing to be practical um all of that kind of stuff it's just sort of i guess encouraged me to think a bit broader in that kind of respect not everything has to be optimal all the time you know and um again letting um the clients come up with their goals um best way of figuring out what it is that they want and then working together to find uh, an approach that they're happy with whether or not I think it's the best thing for them to do I think giving um like the emphasis on client autonomy is quite you know important yeah definitely and I think because our week one was literally four weeks ago I think maybe Mm. about 80 percent of people did say the same including myself you know the, the tracking the macros the go-to is like you know um it's quite a common theme amongst maybe us that don't put our um feet in the client's shoes sometimes yeah i think um as you were talking about before we're sort of wrapped up in our own bubble our own little fitness bubble like we've been doing this for years we're in those kind of crowds And it's just remembering to step out of that bubble and think about who you are helping, you know, and what's going to make the biggest difference and how to communicate that with people um, and what's really important. I think that's a big sort of thing that I learned is that, you know, to just think about the other person and where they're coming from. Yeah, and we we touched on it. This was last week's module was the health one, you know, and the, the the components of health and the first module essentially is just laying the foundations for all of the future modules yeah yeah and um i mean we're going to talk a little bit about your nutrition like um managing it whilst traveling and i'm sure people are interested in like how you've kind of um kept yourself in relatively good shape um whilst traveling and i've seen on instagram your training videos and things like that so do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think so. When I left the UK, the first sort of part of um, my travelling was like the whole backpacker style thing. You're moving on different places every day. Um, whereas in Australia, where I am now, I'm much more settled into a bit of a routine. But when I was backpacking, I sort of said, well, you know. Not, let's just see how it goes. I'll do what I can, but I'm not expecting, you know, things to be optimal. Obviously, I'm eating every meal out uh, in Vietnam, Thailand, and Bali. The food's pretty cheap. There's no, you know, you can't really 
there's no point cooking for yourself it's just cheaper to eat meals out and that's part of the fun isn't it um so i just thought well i'll make good choices here and there but i want to try local food um and like i said just do what i can so i think one of the priorities i made sure um to try and keep on top of was training where i could because that's something that's really easy if you don't you know you don't know where the gyms are and that's something you have to make the effort to go and have a little google one day you know best gym in chiang mai and then um plan to actually go there before you do all the other stuff that you're planning to do whilst you're in thailand and whatever you know um so that was like step one was to just make sure that my training was on track because i feel like that is something you can control if there are gyms available then you know there's no reason why you can't just go say first thing in the morning and then spend the rest of the day traveling and from the nutrition side of things it was like okay i don't really know what i'm going to be eating some of the stuff you don't even know what it is yeah. <laughs> like when it's in front of you <laughs> um but it's just yeah i don't think you can go too far wrong if you just like i knew i wasn't going to make great progress in i think i was sort of backpacking for eight weeks in the end um but yeah, it's just more of enjoying myself and trying not to let things slip too much. So I would, uh, I think because it was so hot as well, I wasn't used to, you know, I came from the UK and went straight to Vietnam. I wasn't used to 35 plus degrees heat. Um, I think you do, well, I find personally I had less of an appetite. Um, I wasn't thinking about food because I was so excited to be wherever I was um drinking so much water like just carrying around massive bottles of water which probably helped um so i'd only really eat a couple of meals a day well in vietnam i had um free breakfast at whatever hostel i was staying at and there'd be stuff like pho which is just you know beef and noodles which is pretty you know fairly low calorie anyway or there'd be eggs so it's just making um, the choices like that, trying to be aware of where I could potentially get like protein from. But again, I wasn't, you know, worried too much. If there was a, a random snack or um, there's a lot of like food markets, I'd try it all. I did a few cooking classes as well, um, ate all the food. <laughs> so it's just a, a bit of a balance, I think. Um, yeah, if I wasn't hungry in the morning, I just wouldn't eat until yeah. I got hungry. Enough. Yeah, when you're only eating twice a day, you can eat quite a lot. Plus, I was on my feet all day long. Yeah. So I've been burning, you know, a lot of calories. That's what I was going to say. Your neat levels would have been through the roof. Yeah, through and, the roof. And I think, um, I mean, something I was going to ask is, like, the cultures. You've obviously been everywhere. Um, and it's typically, like, the UK, our supermarkets have however many products on them shelves what's it like in obviously places like vietnam and uh, yeah, other like that? yeah that's the other thing that made it fairly easy to be fair um because when you think about it when you're at home you walk into tesco's you're faced with chocolate this you know chris all of it's on offer you know it's thrown in your face whereas i wasn't even stepping into a supermarket so imagine how much easier it'd be to eat if you only had a few options to choose from anyway um, I didn't have a kitchen, so I wasn't faced with chocolates hiding in the cupboard that I was trying to avoid. I think that exposure to certain foods, it, you know, the amount we're exposed to back at home is insane. Whereas in these cultures, the emphasis is much more on fresh foods, you know, 
these um like in Vietnam well everywhere they'd wake up at say four or five a.m go to a market pick out fresh fruit and veg and start cooking early in the morning and have like fresh food going throughout the day and that's so far removed from how we live which is fair enough we've got you know different societies different cultures much more fast-paced and we need that convenience back at home it's a different lifestyle over there which definitely actually made it you know easier to eat well because there's just a lot more well, there's a lot less temptation. I don't think I had a single chocolate <laughs> in two months <laughs> um, just because it wasn't there. Yeah. And that, do, you th- do, do you think that's the issue with people in a more Western culture is there's so much of a kind of minefield of what's right and wrong, whereas if we simplify it to, I don't know, these cultures and maybe going down this kind of ancestor route of, you know, this is just a bullshit problem, really. Yeah, I think it's like a multitude of different things, isn't it? Like for us, if you work in a nine to five, then one you're, you know, you're up against low neat levels for a start. Whereas in Vietnam, they're working on rice fields all day long, so they're active jobs. You know, there's a difference there. Um, as I mentioned, with like the sort of marketing and all of that, we're just exposed to a lot more. So it's just a tougher you know we live in an obesogenic environment i don't think it's the same um in these places that i visited we've just got a lot more temptation you know when you're stressed and you get home late from work and there's no food in the fridge you can't be asked we can just ring for a takeaway whereas that's not even an option in vietnam you know so what would you do if you had no option well then you would prepare food because otherwise you're not going to (laughs) eat And uh, I mean, obviously, you can walk down the street in the UK and the percentage of people that are overweight or obese, you can clearly see what's that like over in them sort of areas. Is there anybody or is it very rare? No, yeah, definitely. There, you know, there are some people a little bit overweight, but I think it's much more rare on the whole. And I don't think that's because, you know, these cultures have a better understanding of nutrition. I don't think it's that at all. I think it's just the way that their lifestyles are set up. Um, as I said, active jobs, less temptation. They're just designed to have better chances of being a healthy weight, whereas we don't have that same environment. Um, and we actually probably have much more exposure to you know, evidence-based information and all of that. Um, but when you're faced with the... Um, culture that we live in, I think it's that's the issue, really. I mean, uh, I mean, absolutely, and this is why we create the Facebook groups and recommend people filter their social media because you know we're trying to cultivate success. Mm. You know, and I will link. Sure I, it can be achievable. Yeah, and I will link in your uh, Facebook group into the description, which I'm part of. Oh, nice one. Um, well, you invited us. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what's the kind of, uh, what's Australia like as far as, because obviously that's quite modern. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, much more modern. There's a lot of sort of health foods available, um, even in supermarkets. Um, a lot of, you know, just the standard fresh fruit and veg is easy to access. Um, and for me personally here, it's quite nice because the place I'm staying has a little home gym, so it's 
quite convenient for me to work out. Um, and I think, yeah, eating well, obviously I'll, I'm cooking again now. I didn't cook for about two months. So when I got to Melbourne and went to um, Carl's for the first time, I'd just forgotten how to do a food job. <laughs> so I don't know what I want to eat. I don't know how to cook anymore. Um, so that was quite funny. But, yeah, so it's just much easier when you're in control um, and you can sort of think about what it is that you want to eat and get into a little routine. I think having consistency it's definitely, uh, especially for people sort of starting out, it's definitely the, you know, key to success. Although that's one thing that traveling has taught me is that I think once you go through that stage of, you know, getting a general awareness of how to manage your nutrition, it might take a bit of consistency to begin with. And then once you've sort of become aware of how to eat, food you like to eat, what works for you, then it's so much easier to be more flexible when it comes to traveling. It's easier to stay on track because you're, you've got those good habits, you know? Like, I know what to look for, what a portion should generally look like. Um, so, yeah, I think having, like, a consistency and learning for yourself to begin with can lead to greater flexibility further down the line. And did you find as you were kind of getting through the course it just kind of made you a little bit more, I don't know... <sighs> at ease with managing your nutrition that you've got kind of more flexibility than you maybe were led to believe? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the key things to sort of allowing yourself to be more flexible with your food choice um, is knowing how, like having the knowledge of how it all works together. Like I know, you know, what this is, what a carb is, what a fat is, why there's no such thing as good or bad because I understand how it works in the body. I understand energy balance. I think once you know that, then you can see that it's not about sugar or it's not about this. Do you know what I mean? Like having the knowledge there can make it easier to accept that you can have a chocolate every now and then because I know that why it's not going to harm me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important point if the listeners, any of my clients or anybody listening, you know, we haven't even spoke about a particular food type. You know, it's just about, you know, nutrition in general. You know, you mentioned obviously Vietnam and rice and things like that, but that's kind of all you have available. Um, And when you're in that situation, you just eat what's available. Um, Yeah. You know, there's no kind of... Yeah. Good, good or new, good or bad nutrition. There's just kind of maybe creating a diet um, and a nutrition kind of protocol that hit suits your preferences and you know helps you stay invested in the long term. Really, that's the important thing as well. Is thinking about it in the long term. So. Again, with I was only backpacking for eight weeks. I think, you know, you've got to realise that your nutrition may not be optimal every single day of your life. And it doesn't have to be because you'll have different priorities at different stages in your life. If you're really unhappy with your body and where you are, then you might want to really dial in on your nutrition and training because at that moment in time, that's your priority. Whereas if you're a bit further along in your fitness journey as they like to call it and say you've lost a significant amount of weight and you're feeling fairly happy well then and you have a holiday coming up I mean I think it's pretty easy to stay on track whilst you're on holiday anyway 
but like you might want to prioritize that um, for me like traveling that's like a once in a lifetime thing um, at that moment in my journey I'm fairly happy with where I'm starting um, where I am and I'm happy to prioritize other experiences because in the long term it's about your overall well-being as well isn't it it's not just about having you know top-notch nutrition and training 24-7 every day if you like it's about are you happy and healthy in the long run you know it doesn't have to be super serious all the time yeah well I have a priority list and nothing's ever out of that priority list it just shifts in order of its uh, priority you know so like for example if I was traveling nutrition's still important to us it's not like oh fuck it I'm traveling I can't manage yeah. this yeah you know and that's what people generally have is a an oh fuck it and when people nothing really good happens after you say oh fuck it um no, no so yeah it's afterwards isn't it and if you and if your nutrition makes you have these kind of anxious thoughts prior to doing things like going on holiday enjoying a, an occasion you know i've heard people at weddings the actual bride or groom like eating out of tupperware you know and wow. it's and it, yeah and it's just a bit like oh god oh and it's it's yeah. it's borderline disordered and like as a nutritionist it's hard not to kind of come across these people who have been kind of uh, that are very far down the rabbit hole and you've just got to kind of pull them back a little bit yeah yeah, I like that way of thinking about it. That you ha- you have the same you know thing, same things that are important to you, but the the weight of that importance might shift time to time. It's like a pie chart, isn't it? It always adds up to a hundred percent. Yeah. But sometimes the nutrition side of things might be eighty percent, or it might be seventy percent, or it might be sixty, and then something else takes over. You know, but it's all you know. You're always interested in these different areas. It's always important. It's just where you place that importance for the time being, and that can shift and change. And I like how you incorporated pie on this nutrition chat. So yeah, this works on so well, many levels. I've yet to try a pie in Australia, but I've been told that I need to have a pie before I leave. Are these like American pies? Because I don't, you know, a pie to us is like a it has a it has a lid, you know. Where yeah, it's, it's filling. Yeah, so uh, you know. Um, but yeah, like like you say, it's just people maybe do need to kind of, as far as you know, you did it with your career. Maybe they need to do that in their nutrition and just kind of stop and take stock and ask, is this right? Mm. You know, and ma- serving me and my goals. You know what I want at this moment. Yeah, what's most important. And boil it down. And like I say to people, I try and simplify it as best I can. And sometimes a simple question is, am I happy? Yeah. Yeah. I had this chat with a client recently who um, suddenly experienced like a lot of stress at work. Um, got ill as well. Just had a lot going on and then felt bad about not having the same motivation left for um, like the nutrition side of things, and I just thought, you know what, like you deserve to chill out a little bit. Think, don't be too hard on yourself because you've only got so much, you know, willpower in reserve. And when you're sort of pissed off about work and stressed out, um, just to have a day or two of letting yourself not worry so much about things. I think where people sort of 
can struggle is if they beat themselves up about it and then this like damaging behavior lasts much longer um, and then you will do more damage in the long run but if you just have a couple of days tell yourself you know what I'm not going to be hard on myself for it get over it and you're back on it I think that's much you know a healthier approach than constantly beating yourself up and being too hard on yourself yeah and I think uh, perfectionism is something that people struggle with yeah I would agree as well definitely you know they've got a do everything right they've got to hit the workouts the numbers that are set there are like gospel the nutrition they've got to it's just you know relax the every day otherwise it's you know yeah and, and i've been there i was uh, i mentioned the last time uh, i was the most unflexible flexible diet in the world yeah. you know and it's kind of like where but i've been there and i've done that so i know how the anxiety around that sort of thing and like I can take that experience um, and all the bullshit I've experienced because when I started in this industry I was about 20 similar time but just evidence-based wasn't even a thing mm. you know so I've been yeah. through a lot of shit and there's still people who when I started are still saying the same shit they haven't evolved or grown they haven't kind of tried to optimize yeah yeah, I've, I've been in a similar boat as well. I remember like, if I have one bad training session, that would put me in a crappy mood for the whole day because I'm annoyed that I didn't train as well as I normally would where I might have been stressed or overly tired or something. Whereas now I just think, right, if I give 100% effort that I can do on that day, then that's where I sort of place my values now is how much effort I've put in. Not what the outcome is per se, so not necessarily have I lifted the heaviest I've ever lifted or things like that, but have I still tried 100%? So if I have tried, regardless of how well it went, if I'm always putting in as much effort as I can each day, then that's the key thing, I think. And I've totally been there with the nutrition side of things as well. I remember um, I, you know, if I went over by 50 calories, I'd be like, ugh. I sort of ruined it now. <laughs> That's another thing that helps when you have a better understanding is actually I now know why it doesn't really matter so much. So it's easy to be easier on yourself once you have that understanding, I think. I mean, do you think it's like, I don't know, these numbers represent some level of self-worth amongst people? Yeah, maybe. And I think it's just feeling like you failed if you haven't, stuck to things to a T whereas if you knew you know what insignificant effect that would have it's just so much easier to deal with I think that's why I like to try and teach people a little bit so that they have an understanding um, because it's definitely easier that way I think yeah and, and I think going back to the health conversation you know and I will say to my overweight clients you know you having a takeaway or having a drink you know isn't an issue at all and it shouldn't be if you come look at actual healthy people you know these are the sort of behaviors that they practice but it makes up a relatively minuscule percent of their time or their nutrition yeah. or diet i think it's just about getting the balance right isn't it like are you indulging in this behavior too often so that it's not so that it is preventing you from reaching the goal that you told me that you wanted to achieve um and if you are 
then ultimately your um, actions need to align with your goals, right? Um, but that's not to say that you can't ever do these things or that you can't do them in moderation or that maybe right now is not the best idea. Like if you're struggling with eating out, say you, you can't say no to things, then maybe it is good for you right now to um, say, okay, I'm going to give myself a couple of weeks of no eating out just to get my feet on the ground, you know, get the ball rolling. And then once you start to see results, you might feel more motivated to, you enjoy seeing progress, which makes it easier for you to say no to dessert um, if you can't fit it in, you know, for whatever reason. Um, so I think it's just about managing yeah making sure your behaviors are in line with your goals and then once you make that connection you're quite happy to follow those behaviors because you know that it's taking you in the right direction in the long run yeah and something i tell clients is you know if for example they do indulge all it's doing is making their calorie deficit a little less across the week it's mm. not like yeah, maybe you're happy to have slower progress one week yeah and and, and especially if yeah. like their goal has kind of an infinite time frame then it's like what's the issue and i encourage you know things like uh diet breaks you know blocks of maintenance because it teaches people how to live along the way so when they eventually hit their goal you know what's next mm. you know it's trying to like kind of teach them a life after this and you know the diet that gets them to their desired body weight isn't necessarily the diet that's required to keep them there at the same time they're going to be able to eat maybe three four five hundred calories extra More. per day and and when you've been in a deficit people are like holy they're like holy shit like wow i can eat this much and you know maintain this body composition and i'm like yeah and, and like that then they start getting a little bit more invested in nutrition again and the process again i think that's quite a um big thing to deal with and to um try and help people realize is that what they're doing right now isn't necessarily what they have to do forever. Like the whole point of a diet and um, being in a deficit, you don't want to be in a deficit forever. You're not going to continue losing weight for the rest. It's impossible. So um, you're right, like to encourage things like maintenance periods and diet breaks and all of that, because that is the end goal eventually is for you to be able to live your life, enjoy your life um, and be a healthy body weight at the same time. And it is, it is manageable, it's doable. And um, I think once people, you know, first start dieting and progress is slow, and they think, oh, I can't see myself doing this forever. It's like, well, the principles remain the same. You know, you want to eat foods that you enjoy um, and all that kind of stuff, but you don't have to be in a deficit forever. So it is going to seem hard at the beginning, but that shouldn't put you off because you don't have to live that way forever. And I think another thing that traveling taught me as well is that, you know, it's possible to enjoy your life and, you know, be flexible and all of that. But I think you have to go through that stage first of um, being a bit more disciplined if you want to lose the weight or whatever, you know, your goals are. Um, and as I said, you get more flexible. The closer you get to your goal, the more flexible you can be. Um, and the longer you've been doing it, the easier it gets. So I think that's something that's important to try and encourage people to believe in, you know. 
And typically they are just trying to maintain a healthy weight range. It's not like we're trying to get them onto a, yeah, you know, like a bodybuilding stage. I think people have this, I don't know, uh, perception that that is health. And it's, yeah, and it's just kind they're of not, they're not done yet if they're not there. Yeah, and it's like, and I have prepped two, three times now, and I have been very, very lean, and it's not a nice place to be. If you know when you've got striated glutes and you've got no cushion <laughs> to actually sit on, it's not fun. No, no, I can imagine. Well, it's not. Don't like I. You know, if people do ask, right, I want to get shredded, I'm like, listen, I'm well practiced at this, I can do it and it not be a big issue with my life. However, is your life in a good place? So I tend to like prefer to work with people in an off season to set them up for a yeah. successful in season. Yeah, it is about, um, I think, I think it, it might take for some people to get to that stage to realise that it, it isn't what makes them happy. So I'm quite happy to work with people um, and get them, you know, to whatever it is that they think is their ideal body, you know, and say if it is to be pretty lean, I think what it takes getting to that stage, re realising what sacrifices it takes to, you know, not necessarily absolutely stage lean but even just fairly lean like visible abs some people you know really really focus on having abs and for some people it's not that easy to maintain and I think like I say you might have to get to that stage where you've got visible abs to realize actually it's not really worth it to me or you might think oh you might get there and you've managed to maintain that kind of lifestyle in that place so I think as I say, it's just about getting to that stage and then realizing what is important to you. You know, and I yeah. saying, yeah, are you sure you really want abs? I just think, you know what? Fine, I'll show you what it is that you have to do. You can get there, and you can decide for yourself whether that's enjoyable or not. Well, that's the thing. Like, they don't see what's happening in the background. Like, I'll if me and my uh, fiance was going to the cinema, I would be weighing out like. 50 grams of you know toffee popcorn <laughs> to take and eat it low calorie stuff yeah 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 oh I'm, I'm savvy to all this you know so you you learn every trick in the book when you've kind of yeah. when you've been peeled so you know like uh, before sorry you broke up a little bit say again we had a blended carno before no the zero calorie drink that you can order from starbucks no no oh. it's just like espresso blended with ice a um, bit of water and then like loads of sugar-free syrup so it's basically zero calories and it's like a fake frappuccino yeah it's I, pretty crap <laughs> i did that during uh, the 2014 prep that's when nutri bullets really hit the scene so um it was all ice blended with like coffee and it was just yeah, yeah. but you know like uh, that was kind of the last prep i done last year was the best prep because I was able to incorporate all of these tools that I'd kind of um, accumulated into that prep and diet breaks and things like that. And it was, yeah. I got the leanest I'd ever got in the kind of more, I would consider optimal way. Next time I do it, which will probably be a few years, um, it'll be even better. Yeah. Did you ever put um, courgette in your oats? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that?
Egg whites in your oats. Oh. I've had cauliflower in oats before. Oh, I've I it, you know, it does get a bit extreme, doesn't it? <laughs> um, I did discover cauliflower rice in the last one. Oh, it's not even rice. It's, why do we call it that? Just call it cauliflower. It's, yeah, I mean, uh, no, I, I've never really um, thrown vegetables in my oats. <laughs> you didn't get to that stage then. If, if it ever, and I, I totally missed the egg white stage. I've never been into that, like ever. Oh, I, I've drunk egg whites before actually. Um, muscle food used to do these. Uh, they discontinued them. I don't know why. They did these strawberry flavored egg whites. They're actually really nice. So uh, yeah, I did get into all the super low calorie, super lean stuff for a bit. <laughs> right. Well, I think. Uh, I mean. I think now we're just kind of chatting shit, really, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah, yeah it's unnecessary. Um, so, um, right, it's oh, it's about an hour of recording there. So, um, I just want to kind of um, leave it there, really, and I just want to say a huge thank you to Shannon for giving up her kind of evening with me um where can people find you shannon so i do have um an instagram account which is just my name shannon beer underscore ff for forever fit and i just post a bit about travel so i've got loads of like highlights of where i've been i post a lot of my story about you know what i'm getting up to um, i like to rant a little bit it's something i've been getting into recently is rant about nutrition topics like when i see things that annoy me um like man shakes and lady shakes in the supermarket just things like that and um, the workouts food all that goes on there as well and i also have a facebook page which is just forever fit coaching and then a facebook group which is forever fit um and that's where i'm trying to like get this community going of everyone who's in a similar boat everyone who wants to improve their nutrition but also kind of likes food and kind of likes living a life, you know. They want to know how to balance it all so that you can get to your goals and still eat out every now and then. So you post, like, recipes. If someone sees something that's on offer in Tesco and has good macros, it will go on the group. You know, just a place where everyone can ask questions as well. Um, but, yeah, generally a place where everyone's trying to do similar things. Awesome. Well, I'll link everything in there. Um, but today has been fun i've enjoyed it massively hope you've enjoyed it too yeah i've enjoyed it i hope people listening enjoyed it as well well i hope so it's it's out there forever so you know in a, <laughs> in a few years maybe when i'm huge people will be looking back over this and going oh yeah this, he's still saying the same shade <laughs> <laughs> but uh i'll uh we'll we'll have a bit crack when we're when i've pressed stop but again thank you very much 